love that song right there. We're blessed in the city, and we're blessed going in. Whatever all the words were, they were awesome. All I knew was blessed. I just kept yelling, blessed. Hey, man, everybody stand up with me. Stand up, stand up. And uh, I felt like we should have been doing the stroll. You know, right? I mean, it's, maybe some of us who are older remember that. Acts 2.17 says, In the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. It says, In the last days. We get so, we get, I mean, has anybody checked the news lately? Anybody watched what's going on? Right? A lot going on. If we're not careful, there's a spirit of negativity that's in this world. Jesus came to smash that to disrupt it, to, to, uh, to unleash hope. And the Bible says, Peter preaching under the unction of the Holy Spirit, in the last days, I will pour out, we'll do, I will do what? I'll be afraid. I'll be, I'll be hunkering down. I'll be what? I'll be, I will pour out my spirit. Pastor Steve comes from a place in the United States called South Carolina. And they have a they have a different little different way of talking, and uh, I realized that when I moved to Texas a number of years ago, and uh, they say y'all, hey, how y'all doing? Anybody ever heard that? How y'all? And the plural of y'all is all y'all, all y'all. And the Bible says I will pour out my spirit on all y'all. Come on, somebody, turn to somebody and say that means you. Turn to somebody else and say, all y'all. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all y'all. Come on, everybody raise a hand with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. You're pouring out your spirit on all flesh, and all y'all, on all of Berlin, all of Germany, from Hamburg, Father, to Regensburg. Lord Jesus, from one board, from east to west, north to south. Father, I thank you from the north of Scotland to the south of Italy, all of Europe's being touched by the presence of your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father. Your word says your sons and daughters will prophesy. That means they'll speak life. They'll speak hope. They'll speak wholeness. They'll speak fullness. They'll speak the life of Jesus Christ. It says young men will have visions and old men will have dreams. Father, you're pouring out your anointing on all of us. And I thank you, Lord, in this place right now, in this place, you're anointing your power your presence is here. Life is here. Healing is in the house. Father, I thank you for it now in the name of Jesus, to the glory of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And everyone said, amen. Turn to three or four people and say, this is a good day to be in church. Turn to three or four people and wave at them and say, it's a good day to be in church. Yeah, stay there for a second. Stay there for a second. I like that. It's great. What's your name? Soul. Soul. Beautiful name. You've got some of the best musicians in the world. Go ahead and uh, go ahead and be, yeah, give them a hand and then go ahead and be seated. Soul, stay there for a second for me and do that thing. Love that. And, and you're blessed, Berlin Church, Berlin, or is it, is it Berlin Church, or do we always put the dot in it? Berlin Dot Church, coolest website in the world. And two of the coolest pastors in the world, Pastor Steve and uh, Karen Mack, would you give them a hand? 
and Aunt, Pastor Andrew and Vera growing the church by themselves. The new baby coming. Yeah. Do we know the gender? Everybody knows that? Okay, it's a little, another little boy. Yeah. To go with Arthur. It's fantastic. I love this, this place because the feel of your pastor and the DNA of this church is one of hospitality and, and uh, love. And in John chapter 21, we see this moment where Jesus in this hospitality is an outworking of love. And you see love shown in hospitality. And uh, it's, it's a work of grace. And we see a work of grace of Jesus in the life of a man named Peter, chapter 21, the Gospel of John. And it's this amazing story that for you and I today is, is going to unlock some things, I believe, over the next few moments together that some of us have had to struggle with and deal with because Jesus takes shame off the shoulders of a man named Peter. And it's this amazing moment where we see this happen. Thank you, Soul. Give Soul a hand. Don't go, don't go too far. Don't go too far. I, I, uh, my name is Paul. My beautiful wife, Judy, spectacular wife, Judy, is with us today. And, and Pastor Robert Berger from Lima, Peru, and his wife, Karen, just spoke. Uh, he just spoke in the last service. It was awesome. Give him a hand. He's here right here. And um, so we love Berlin. We love this church. We love the, the feel and the, what's happening, what God's doing in Berlin. And uh, Pastor Robert spoke a great a prophetic word blessing over this house and over the city is uh, Dragon Slayers in that second service today. It was fantastic. And so uh, over these next few moments, I just want to break open just a thought, just a, a thought about, about what it means to be restored and what it means to have broken pieces put back together. You know, we celebrate communion in the Last Supper, and, and uh, many of us grew up with that in a tradition in our churches. And some of it may have been called the Eucharist. And, but it was Jesus in the Last Supper in that celebration of the Passover taking a cup, the third cup. There's a lot of meanings there. And he took the cup of redemption, uh, this glass of wine, and he took the bread and he broke it. And he says, my body broken for you and this is my cup. And we always take it in that order and it has to do with the brokenness of our lives. And Jesus body was broken to represent our lives broken and then him bringing to us life that's what the the wine meant his blood new life and so as we celebrate the eucharist and communion it's it's our he has taken our brokenness our past and he has taken us to a place of new life Resurrection life, that's the one. And we see this in a life of a guy named Peter. Have you ever had this moment where uh, you said something, and as the words came out, you go, whoa, 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 no, come back, come back. Anybody ever done that? Come on, am I the only one? The more you talk to me, the faster I go, okay? The sooner we get done. Have you ever, have you ever done, uh, my wife did a Twitter one time, and she, she thought she was texting the kids, and instead it went on all this Twitter feed. It was like, hey, we're doing this and this and that, and it was all spelled wrong. 
And my son texted, was aghast, and texted his mom and said, Mom, you just put that on Twitter all over the world. And we're like, ah, you ever do something like that? And you te- or you text somebody and you go, no, 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 don't sin, don't sin. And this is Peter. And we see Peter in, in John chapter 18. And John, at the end of his life, is writing a gospel. It's, he's looking at it saying, well, Matthew, Mark, and Luke wrote a lot of what happened. I'm going to give you my sense of what happened, this feeling of what happened. And, and he writes a book, the Gospel of John, 90% of it's unique because he says, well, they already covered that. And at the end of chapter 20, he says, the reason I'm writing this is so that you'll fall in love with the one who I fell in love with. In John chapter 18 and 19, we see Peter, and, and we see Peter uh, at this moment where Christ is betrayed, and then he's taken before the judges, the Romans, and the all the things that went on, and, and we see him being mocked and scourged and beaten. And we see Peter show up, and he's standing there. Now, at this moment, the Bible records that he's standing, warming himself over a fire. And he's looking in the distance, and he sees Jesus being scourged and hurt and and now Peter, now Peter's this guy that walked on water. I mean, there's only two people who ever did that. I mean, we always go, well, the guy sank. Yeah, but he walked. Got out of the boat. Nobody else did. You know, he's seen miracles happen. He's, he's boisterous. He's out there. He's like, Jesus, I'll never betray you. And, and I like, he's the guy that after the Last Supper took the sword and when they came to get Jesus, he's like, no, you can't have him. Bam. And he cuts the ear off of a guy. Right? I mean, Jesus goes, no, 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 no. Picks the ear up, puts it back on. Sorry, we're all good. We're all good. I mean, you got to look at this. These are real people. This really happened. Are we all good? We good? I got the ear. The ear's back on. You good? I'm good. Can you hear? Yes. Okay. Peter, he goes, not now. And Peter's like, ah. And yet at this moment where he really needs to step up, this great man of faith trips. Very human. That's you and me. See, Jesus came because God knew we're human. We're just human. We're people. We have stuff that happens. And here's Peter, and it says he's warming himself over a fire. And in fact, it says there's a charcoal fire. To note that. It's a charcoal fire, and he's warming himself, and somebody says, aren't you one of the guys who was with him? Says he swears, no, nah, that's not me. And three times, somebody comes up and says, weren't you one of the guys who was with him? Aren't you the guy to cut the guy's ear off? No, 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 not me. It must have been somebody else. You know, we, I, I don't know. I got a doppel, what's it called? A doppelganger? <laughs> the guy that looks like me? Like exactly like me with these clothes on? No, couldn't have been there. Not me. Three times he denies Christ. So John writes 40 or 50 years after all these things, and he's reflecting, and he's looking back, and he writes at the end of chapter 20, I've written all these things so you would fall in love with Jesus. And in in effect, he closes his letter. Then chapter 21, we see something very unique. In fact, many of your Bibles, it will say epilogue. In other words, it's like Pastor Steve 
when he, when he does his second close. You know, he closes, and then there's the second close. Come on, somebody. Everybody knows. Right? And this is John, and John says, no, you know what? Let me tell you a story. Because he's written a book about love and about hope and about, about wholeness and about restoration. He says, let me tell you a story. And this is chapter 21 of John. There's a guy that, that I love. Uh, <laughs> just, well, I love what happened to him because it could have been me. You know those ones where you, where you see somebody get hurt and you laugh because it wasn't you? Come on, somebody. It's a guy named Nick Flynn. He's at the Fitzwilliam Museum. It's in uh, at the University of Cambridge in the UK. It's 2008 in January. And he's at the top of a set of stairs. Let me show you Nick right now. Here's Nick. Nick Flynn. And Nick, his shoelace comes untied. And this is, this is a wild man, Nick. You already love him, right? And, and he bends down to tie his shoes. He's at the top of some stairs at this museum. Well, at the bottom of the stairs are four porcelain jars. They're vases. They're, but they're not just normal. They're from the 12th century in China. They're worth 500,000 euros each. They don't have a railing in front of them. Hello, somebody. And Nick bends down to tie his shoes. You already know what's coming? You know what's coming? He bends down to tie his shoes. You know how something happens and in the middle of it you think, well, I can fix this while it's happening? And, and then later he says, Nick goes, as I was falling, I was hoping I could grab the first jar and then turn and miss the other ones. Go to the next photo. Didn't work. How many of us have had a plan and it didn't work and it just came apart? Go to the next one. They start working on it. For four years, they work on these things. Look at this. They're <laughs> putting them together piece by piece. Four years. Go to the next one. And now here they are, all put back together. There's four of them. All put back together. The jars, though, those porcelain vases that were worth 500,000 euros each now are worth about 20,000 euros each. As good as they could do it, as well as they worked at something, trying to put it back together, the value was still decreased. I take you to chapter 21 of John, and John's now looking back, and he's looking back at this moment. Thank you, we're good with the vases. And, and John's talking about this moment where something came apart for a friend, and everything was broken. This man's name's Peter. It says Jesus appeared again a later time to the disciples. There were about seven of those guys who were the disciples. And Peter says, here he goes, he says he's not sure what to do. He's still covered up with shame. He's still not sure that everything's right. Even though he's the first disciple that's in the tomb that walks in, he's, he's, he's in the place where Jesus shows up. This is now the third appearance of Jesus. Number three becomes very important. It's a number of wholeness, number of love, healing. It's, it's a number of the Trinity. And so now the third appearance of Jesus, and Peter says, before Jesus shows up, Peter's like, man, I don't know what to do. I have no idea what to do. You know what? Let's just go fishing. Sometimes you just got to do what you know to do. Let's go take a walk in the park. I don't know what to do. 
Let's go fishing. So all the other men, we know Peter was a leader and had a, a you know, God-given talent because all the other men around them go, well, we'll go fishing too. So later on it says that they fished all night. And then Jesus showed up on the shore. At the darkest moment of their lives, Jesus showed up. I love that picture. Peter and John and all those guys are fishing, and Jesus shows up, and he's already got a fire on the shore. It says he's cooking fish. Cooking fish, got some bread, goes and looks at the guys, goes, hey, boys, have you caught any fish? Another translation says it this way. He says, hey, boys, you probably didn't catch any fish, did you? In other words, it's a setup. See, at this darkest moment, God always has a plan and a strategy for your life to bring you to a place of restoration. Well, it looks like total negative. God, Jesus says, hey, you didn't catch anything, did you? No. And, and he says, well, then cast your net on the right side. This is a fascinating little picture right here, and I won't get into it too much, but the right side always connotes honor and inheritance. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. He says, cast your net on the Right side. Well, if you're a seaman and you know boats at all, you know there's port and starboard. There's the stern. There's not a right side. I kind of look at it as he said, cast your net on the right side because there's always a wrong side. Turn to somebody and say, I've been there. I've been there. It says, cast your net on the right side. Now, if you're a fisherman, you've gone all night, you haven't caught anything, where have you put your nets? Everywhere. And then Jesus says, cast your net on the right side. They cast the nets out, what happens? A ton of fish, right? And then John goes, dude, that's Jesus. Or words to that effect, whatever the Hebrew for dude was. That's Jesus. And, and, and here's what's funny. It says, uh, I'm going fishing, right? So, so they did. Go to the next, go to the next. Flip to the next deal. It says, then the disciple that Jesus loved, that's John. He's writing the book. He doesn't want to say, you know, hey, you know, me, I'm the guy. He just says, hey, the disciple Jesus lived. Talking about himself is great. It says, it's the Lord. And Simon Peter, who was the Lord, he had been in his swimsuit, his working clothes to go fishing. He took, put his tunic on. Now his tunic, his jacket, his overcoat was a fisherman's overcoat. It was his identity. It was who he was. When, when people wore clothing in that era, if you were a printer, you wore a printer's smock. If you were a, a draftsman, you wore that. If you were a seamstress, you wore the, that clothing. And everybody knew you for who you were based on the clothing that you were, wore. If you were a politician, you wore that. If you were the priest, you wore those clothing. So he put back on his identity. Okay, watch this. This is really, this is really good. Puts back on his identity because he doesn't know now who he is. He's had, some, he's had the resurrection happen. He's had all that happen. But he also had that denial of Christ. He had those moments where he totally, absolutely did absolutely the wrong thing. And everything broke apart. Jumps in the water, swims to Jesus, shows up. The boat comes up. This is cool. It says... It says, Jesus said, hey, come on over. I may have made you guys some breakfast. I love the fact, Pastor Steve that, and Pastor Andrew, that every time that we see Jesus after the resurrection, there's always food involved. Can I get an amen? 
Yeah, yeah, I'm in, right? You see, I believe that Jesus didn't show up in the temple because he showed up at the table. I believe Christianity is not just lived in the temple, it's lived at the table. You live in a culture that celebrates the table. This is where we live our Christian faith. It's at the table. We invite people to our house. We sit down with others. We break bread. Amen, somebody. Have fish. How many fish did they catch? This is cool. So Simon Peter went aboard, dragged the net shore. He said, how many fish did you get? 153. Now, let me show you a Mandela. A Mandela is an overlap of two circles. This is... uh, Now, remember, this book was written to the Greeks and the Romans. It was written so people who hadn't met Jesus would fall in love with him. So he wrote it in a language that those people would understand. The Greeks, a hobby for the Greeks in those days was math, which is like crazy. But nonetheless, that was a hobby. Their hobby was math. This is a Mandela. What it is in that overlap, is this is the the core, if you will, the foundational look of modern day geometry. If you drew a cross in the middle of that overlap, the, the, uh, the way you would get the volume of the center is 265 over 153. 265 over 153. How many fish were there? 153. 265 over 153 is the square root of three. Come on, somebody. Third appearance of Christ, denied him three times. So what he's basically doing to a Greek audience, he's giving them a clue of what they need to look for. Look for this, 265 over 153. Now when you take that all the way out, a viscous piscus, look at the next thing. Uh, Look at this next visual. It becomes, look at that center. It becomes a fish. So that in Greek is called an ichthus, a fish, And so the early church used this as a symbol of Christianity. Square root of three, trinity, wholeness, right? Love, hope, numbers. All right, it's cool. I love all that stuff. Now watch this. So Simon's there, Simon Peter's there. And it says that Jesus was cooking fish over a charcoal fire. Follow this. And then Jesus said, and I'll just walk through it quickly. Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Third time Jesus has appeared. After breakfast, he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, I love you. Sure, yeah, 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 man. Then feed my lambs. Jesus repeated the question, verse 16, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Flip to the next verse. It's an amazing moment. Because for a third time, what are we looking for? We're looking for threes, right? So a third time, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter translation here was hurt, but is actually, the, the actual better translation is, Simon was, Simon Peter was stunned. He was stunned. You ever gone to the mountains, uh, and you had an experience as a child at a camp or something, and you go back to the mountains, and you smell that fragrance, and it brings back a memory? Have you ever smelled a, let's say, a fragrance, like a perfume, and it reminds you of your grandmother, 
You ever smelled, you ever been in a situation where all of a sudden something triggers a memory? And all of a sudden, Peter realizes he's sitting at a charcoal fire. There's only two places in the Bible that it says and specifies there's a charcoal fire. The first time is in John where Peter denied Jesus. How many times? Come on. Three times. At what? A charcoal fire. And now in that same atmosphere, in that same place, Jesus has brought Peter back to restore what he had lost, to redeem his life, to bring him back to a new place, to tell him, you know, that jacket you put on that you feel like is your identity as a fisherman? No, it's not your identity. Because what you've been carrying is shame. See, shame and guilt are different. Guilt is knowing or believing you made a mistake. Knowing you made a mistake, believing you made a mistake. But shame is believing that you are the mistake. And Peter thought, I'm the mistake that Jesus made. All these other guys, man, these are good guys, but me, I'm the one that stood up and I'm the one that was going to be so bold. I was the one that was going to have my act together and I tipped over. At the moment where he needed me, I wasn't there. And Jesus says a third time, Peter, do you love me? And he stopped. He goes, and he's smelling the fragrance of the fire. And he's, all of a sudden it hits him. This is it. He, he's brought me back to that same place with three questions. And this time I'll tell him, yeah, I love you. And Jesus says, then feed my sheep. Now this is not just a directive. This is Jesus saying, Peter, I trust you to feed my sheep. Peter, you're qualified. No matter what you've done or where you've been or what's happened to you, right now I want to tell you, you're a new man and a new creation. You're not that guy. You're not that person. And right now, feed my sheep. Meant to Peter, you're my guy. I love you. I want to take the shame off your life. And then he says something really unusual. He says, you know, Peter, you're going to grow old. <laughs> Great, thanks for that prophetic word. You're going to grow old. He said, people are going to lead you around. But what Jesus was really doing was giving him a spirit of boldness. Peter, no matter what it looks like, you're going to grow old. Remember the day of Pentecost when they were arresting people and perhaps killing some who were followers of the way and followers of Jesus, throwing them in jail? And they had the day of Pentecost. Who stood out on the balcony and preached? It was Peter. Why? I've got a prophetic word. I'm going to grow old. Jesus told me he's in prison. Herod says, I'm killing you tomorrow morning. And what happened? He's singing songs. Why? I'm going to grow old. Get Jesus spoke a prophetic word. And it's that same word spoken over you and me. So I'm with you. I'll never leave you. Never forsake you. I want to show you one more picture. Stand up with me, right? Let me show you one more photo. Look at this face. This is an art that's... Um, it's done in, in, uh, in Japan.
And it's called kintsugi. And, and kintsugi is the art of taking a porcelain vase and in the hands of a master breaking it and then using precious material like this gold, putting it back together in such a way that it creates something beautiful. This is a $200 porcelain vase that was broken by a master craftsman using gold put back together in such a way that it's created something beautiful in that $200 vase now put back together by the masters worth 12,000 euros. See, when Jesus puts us back together, we don't lose value. We gain value. Remember the vases that my friend Nick broke and they lost value. And the best that man could do was put it back together so it sort of looked great, but it had a decreased value. And what Jesus does, put us back together. And the scars, the scars that say, you've triumphed. You've won. You're a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, those who are followers of Jesus Christ are no longer who they used to be. They're a new person because of Jesus. And in the hands of the master, he took that broken things of, of Peter, put them back together, and out of Peter launched the whole first half of the book of Acts and the launch of the church of Jesus Christ. What we live in today was the boldness of Peter, a man that he thought he was disqualified, that others would look at him and say, dude, you're out. The shame was, and Jesus took the shame off him, took all of that off of him, created in his life wholeness and health and healing, hope, newness of life. Bow your heads with me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your word in your life makes us new. I thank you you take the broken pieces, all these things that have happened to us, and the mistakes we've made, and you've taken the shame off of us. And you took the guilt on you, and you said in you we're a new person. And Father, I thank you today as we follow you, as we follow Jesus Christ, as we're followers of Christ. The word says, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. The Bible says that the, that the same spirit that lived in Christ, lives, that raised Christ from the dead, lives in us. And I thank you, Father, for this promise. I thank you for the promise of Peter that, that I will never leave you, never forsake you, I'll be there for you, is our promise today. So we walk out of this place, not just leaving church, but to go be the church in culture because of the life of Jesus Christ in us. Thank you, Father, for taking the broken pieces and making them into something beautiful. In Jesus' name, amen.